Welcome back to a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a chocolate-covered bar. My name is Jamal, and I am a Buddhist. I'm Jacob. I am a Christian. Why do we have all this chocolate this week, Jamal? Oh, because it, it, it's Easter, and clearly chocolate is the way you remember the death of Jesus. Well, this is true. <laughs> that was a very excellent pause in the music, wasn't it? <laughs> There's this little video, I don't know if you've seen it, of a, a Scottish girl, I think, um, her dad's a news broadcaster, so he set up a, a um, YouTube channel where he's asking her questions about things and, and there's her reflections on Easter and she asks, are, are Jesus and the Easter Bunny bestest friends? <laughs> Jacob, are they? Are they bestest friends? Different canons. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. Well, clearly I don't know anything about Easter uh, and we're, we're here to fix that this week. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely we are. So welcome to the Christian Buddhist walk into a bar Christmas Christmas special. Easter special. Well, Easter and Christmas are kind of deeply related in a bunch of ways. Like whenever you go into theology, like whenever theologians want to explain Christi- Christmas, well, maybe not every time, but certainly you know, the, the ancient old, old, old ones, to explain Christmas, they would always start at Easter. Yeah, okay. And it's Easter that makes Christmas necessary, yeah. basically. So, so maybe this is the Christmas special, just in a it's the a backwards way, yeah, upside down, back upside front. down. <laughs> You're one of those people that 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 uh, misspeaks and then vehemently defends what they say <laughs> to the end of time. <laughs> I think if you've been on this podcast long enough, you know I'm definitely that person. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so I mean. Yeah, this episode we're just going to do a, I guess, an origin story of Easter. Um, unpack some of the the things about Easter that I don't know, which is pretty much everything. Uh, and yeah, this is um, this is the Easter special. So I mean, why don't we start at the at the top? Uh, because you know, let, let's go really basic. Jacob, what is Easter? So Easter is a weekend we celebrate with chocolate. No, it well, it's become that. Um, but Easter in the Christian tradition is the time in the year where we mark the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Jesus lives for 33, 37 years, depending on exactly how you count it. He has about three years of public ministry, teaching, wandering around what is now modern-day Israel and Palestine. Uh, and at the end of that, he is put to death uh, on charges by the, the Roman occupiers, at the time, um, that spoiler alert, three days later, he rises again uh, and appeared to his disciples and ascended into heaven kind of 40 days-ish after that. So it's uh, the the Good Friday is the day where Jesus was crucified, and we can go into, into that in a bit more detail. Uh, and then Easter Sunday is the day when he was resurrected, and that's, that's when we mark those in the church here. So part of the story that I had kind of known but have never gone into is, is that resurrection uh, that 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 link of resurrection and then appearing to his disciples so like so what happens he he because i you hear the story of you know they go and they check the cave and he's gone like <laughs> yeah does he appear again does he give another sermon what does he say there like how does how does that work yeah so there's kind of a couple of of different traditions around that if you like that all appear in scripture right so we've got these four stories of jesus life that are narrated by matthew mark luke and john and they all tell the story of his life slightly differently they saw the story of his death with different emphases um, and they have different resurrection appearances that are um how do i put this like they're they're they don't all tell the same story but they're not necessarily contradictory 
if that makes sense. Like, you, you know, John decides to talk about these couple of appearances and Matthew tells it this way. Um, so to start at the empty tomb, actually, there's this, the story as John tells it, the women come down to the tomb the, the morning of Easter Sunday. And the, the reason that they're down there is because the day before was a Saturday, which is the Sabbath in the Jewish tradition. So you're not allowed to do any work. And that includes anointing a dead body with all of the burial spices and the, the things that you do to make it nice, I guess. Um, and so they've come down first thing Sunday morning to do that. They discover that the the tomb is empty. There's you know, Jesus isn't there. What on earth is going on with this? Uh, they go back, tell some of the blokes. The blokes come down. They go, oh, no, tomb's empty and, and race off. And then John tells us that um, Mary Magdala who Jesus had cast seven demons out of um, much, much earlier. She'd followed him since then, that she stays at the tomb weeping after Peter and John, you know, the blokes have, have raced off, gone, what on earth is going on? She stays there weeping. And she sees someone who she thinks is the gardener. Um, and she says to him through her tears, they've, they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've put him. Like, can you tell me what's going on? And the gardener turns around to her and says, Mary. And she realizes that it's Jesus. Um, and she you know, embraces him and weeping and, and all of this. Um, and he, he tells her, don't cling to me. I've, I'm going to my father and your father. Like it's, <clears throat> it's good that this has happened, but I, I can't be staying with you forever. And, and so that's a common theme in the resurrection stories of Jesus is that He's recognizably Jesus. Like as soon as he speaks and says Mary, Mary knows who it is. But until he does, she thinks he's just the gardener. Now is that she's... Does he look like Jesus or...? That's a great question. Like she's clearly weeping and, and upset and quite moved. So maybe it's looking unclear to her. But this is a, a common story in the... A common element, sorry, I should say, in, in, the, uh, in the resurrection appearances that Jesus is not... He, he's the same, but there's something different about him. And so there's a point at which he's recognized, but that comes a certain... So that, so there's another one where, uh, as Luke tells it, two disciples are wandering, um, walking back from Jerusalem, and they're obviously you know, quite upset as well. Uh, and this stranger joins them on the road. You can see where this is going. <laughs> is the stranger <laughs> Jesus? It is, but they don't know this. Okay. And, and the stranger asks them, like, what are you talking about as you're walking out? And they go, like, have you not been around? Do you not know what's happened? There was this guy, Jesus, and we thought that he was the Messiah, the Savior that was going to you know, rescue Israel. And instead, he's been put to death on a cross. And some women went down to the tomb and they told us this outrageous story that the tomb was empty and they'd seen an angel, but like, you know, women, come on, right? Like, that's kind of, that's what they say. And then he unpacks the scriptures for them and says, wasn't it necessary that the Messiah, the rescuer of Israel, should suffer and die and has this whole conversation with them? Um, they get to where they were going for the night uh, and he makes out like he's going to keep going and they're like, no, no, dude, stay with us because it's, you don't want to be out traveling at night and whatever. So he stays with them. They're sharing a meal together and he takes the bread and breaks it and at that moment they recognize that this is who it is. So that, that's, yeah, that's an element that, that there's something that Jesus does 
that makes him recognisable, but he's not instantly recognisable, even to those these people who've you know known him for years. Mm. That, that 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 is really fascinating. I, I I have so many different like different avenues I can go down with this. I don't know where to go. <laughs> and, and I'm sure almost everyone's gone down one or the other of them, and I'm equally sure that I don't know the answers to. All. <laughs> well, all right. So I I I guess maybe I'll put to you kind of some of the the common I guess the common things that I've heard from non-Christians mm. uh, and, you know, um, not you know, being a spiritual relativist, I believe everything you've told me. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want you to think I'm, I'm content. Con- I, I'm, I'm not contesting the story, but I guess I'm sure I, I'm talking from the perspective of, I guess, growing up as an, as an atheist uh, in a, in a kind of agnostic atheist household, how I was told uh, the story of Jesus's resurrection. Yeah. I understood awesome. it. Right. Yeah. Um, and that there's definitely the kind of the general line of thought, which is, you know, well, how'd they know he was dead in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, isn't it feasible that he could have just, you know, passed out, you know, by the metrics of how they could measure a pulse at that time, just not been alive, but then actually recovered and, you know, essentially appeared to these people in this way? Mm. Yeah, and that's, I for mine, that's kind of the, the easiest one to look at it and go that it makes no sense as a theory and the first reason that it makes no sense is because the romans were really really good at killing people um and if they wanted to if they wanted to kill you 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 would stay killed they, they'd leave people up on crosses for days right until they they finally gave out um he's you know beaten and whipped and all of this stuff beforehand so even if we say okay well maybe he's not properly dead maybe he's gone into like you know some unconscious stupor or something on the cross and these killing experts accidentally think that he's dead and they they take him down and he gets put in a tomb while he's still alive the guy is going to be weak as all get out like he's spent you know the best part of a day hanging on a cross which is this you know torturous death where you die by asphyxiation and exposure um, at the end of it, but possibly, um, I, I don't know if this happened for Jesus, but it was a thing that the birds would come and peck at you, and because you you can't use your arms, you can't stop them, or it, like it's it's an absolutely horrific thing. He's had the he's been whipped, he's been like so so if he's if he's unconscious and put in the tomb and kind of wandering around, appearing to people two three days later, he is not in a good state. Um, and it, it would it, it would be hard to to think that well this, he's he's alive and well and everything's fine um, and even if he survived those couple of days the odds of him living much longer yeah pretty low and and then I guess the the flip side of that being you know what and I guess this is just answered spiritually right but like yeah well, what is it to, you know what is there to say that those appearances of Jesus were not people that maybe had really deep understandings of Jesus's teachings or you know how, how do you how do you yeah. know that those people are Jesus other than the word of people that really wanted to see Jesus and the, the you know there's a there's a possibility of like you know a delusion and that kind of thing going on but the the record that we have from scripture and actually from the, the Jewish culture at the time, is that this is not what people were expecting would happen. Like I said, the, the 
two folks who are walking on the road out of Jerusalem when Jesus joins them, like he explains to them from Scripture that it's all necessary. But that their working assumption is not that the Messiah, the Savior of the Jewish people, is going to die and come back to life. Like that's that's literally nobody is expecting that at this time. It's not that they've got necessarily a, a metaphysical issue with the idea of, of um, resurrection, but that's not what they're expecting that God is going to do with the Savior. Uh, and, and you see this uh, in the way that the story is told of the disciples that Jesus tells them a couple of times, hey, we're going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man, which is Jesus' funky third-person way of talking about himself, is going to be put up on trumped-up charges and handed over to the Roman authorities and put to death. But it's okay because on the third day that he'll rise again. And so, so Jesus has told his disciples before the fact this is all going to happen. Jesus has told his disciples before the fact that this is all going to happen. Right. It happens, and they're still devastated and weeping. And but when he's telling them, Simon Peter, right? Like the if you the first pope. In some traditions, and you know the the found key founding figure of the church, Jesus says this, and Peter says, "No, this must not happen to you. We we got to stop this." Right. Like, so so he tells them it's going to happen. Yeah. And then it happens. Yeah. And they don't inherently believe what he told them, even though it happened. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and and they get there. They they do get there. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so they they do they do get there, but it's not an it's not an instant story. Yeah, okay. and, and in fact, the the Gospel of Mark, which is um, probably the earliest of the Gospels in terms of when it was written, like probably written down, I would say somewhere around twenty years, maybe slightly earlier, slightly later um, after the the life and ministry of Jesus. The there's a couple of different endings to that gospel and it's you know people write big long journal articles about which one is the real ending and the whatever but the the short ending of the gospel of mark has the women at the tomb finding it empty and being confused and that's where the gospel ends Mm. Uh, and I, i find that fascinating because clearly it's written in a context of a church where they believe that jesus is resurrected uh and they you know they believe that he's the messiah the lord but Mark, for whatever reason, doesn't find it. In fact, he's the one that doesn't have, if you if you take the shorter ending of Mark, he doesn't have any resurrection appearances. And I find that fascinating. So, right, so, so then how do we get from the disciples of Jesus not believing Jesus when he tells them he's going to get resurrected? Mm-hmm. How, how does that then turn into the holiest day on the Christian calendar, like is that because it is so unexpected? Like that once they come around and believe it, they're like, "Wow, that's the that's the biggest thing that's ever happened in the world." Pretty much, and and because Jesus appears to them afterwards, right, and he he explains things to them kind of again in more detail, I guess. Um, and the the first Christians and the New Testament is full of this. Start to see hints of this all through the Hebrew scriptures, what we would call the, the Old Testament, and especially in the prophet Isaiah, they start to see all of these pictures of God's Messiah and they realize that there's these chapters in Isaiah, um, the poems of the suffering servant, they're called, and they start to see these poems and go, oh, that was Jesus. They, they see um, 
they see it in the Psalms. Um, there's there's one Psalm that begins, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Which are the words that Jesus says on the cross. And they start looking at that and they go, "Oh, this is kind of we get it now." But it, they only get it in the light of seeing what's happened. And what's happened is the most kind of like, yeah, it is. It's the, the most important thing Jesus does, and the 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 biggest thing he does, which is that the the miracles and the teaching and the all of that that is fine but they begin to understand that god has done a new thing in jesus death and that jesus death isn't just his death um but it's somehow kind of the the representative death of we we would say now all humanity and they kind of they got to that pretty quickly but actually representative in the first instance of all of israel um and that all of the unrighteousness and the shame and the the sin of the the punishment that israel deserved there's there's no other way to put it you know the the punishment for not being the people of god as well as god had wanted them to be the people of god all of the consequences of their turning away from god was born in the death of Jesus and his resurrection meant new life. And that, that understanding appears really, really early in the, in the church. And I, I would say it comes right back to what Jesus said about himself in, in the resurrection. Yeah, so that's kind of my next question. Right? Like how, how soon historically does it start to be a th- holy day? And how, how, how soon after the death of Jesus do they start celebrating Easter as mm-hmm. a as a thing to mark and 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 to recognize. Well, so it's already a holy day, and this is a thing where Easter is massively different from Christmas, right? Like Christmas, it, it's a great celebration. Celebrate the birth of Jesus. I love that. The date is pretty arbitrary. I think we mm-hmm. we might have talked about this in our in our Buddhist special, um, but Easter um, occurs on the date of the Passover um, or the Pascha. Um, but so that it that's already Probably not the most major Jewish festival, but it's like top two or three. Um, And that's the celebration that the Jewish people have of when God liberates them from slavery in Egypt. So we're talking some, what, 2,000, 3,000 years before Christ. Um, so there's, you know, I, I don't know if you know the story, but the, they're slaves in Egypt. Have you seen the film Prince of Egypt? Yes. The Disney film. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, that, yeah. you know, they're, they're slaves in Egypt. Um, God leads them out, takes them through the Red Sea, the waters part, and they flood Pharaoh and his army and all of that. And when God is spoken about in the Old Testament, a lot of the time, um, God is described as the God who rescued Israel, the God who brought us through the sea. So it's it's this big commemoration of Israel's rescue from um, from Egypt and from slavery. And so it occurs on that weekend um, at the, the high point of the feast. So Jesus kind of recontextualizes that, I guess. Um, and they, they see it as, well, this is God's new rescue. If you like, right? So, so they they continue to celebrate Passover, but then it just takes on a new meaning with with Jesus having died and been resurrected on that weekend. 
Yeah, more or less. So, like, you know the Eucharist mm. meal or the, the Lord's Supper, um, which is kind of bread and wine, and, and that's a, uh, a reenactment, re-embodiment of the last meal that Jesus shares with his disciples, um, which is you know, probably the Thursday night before the, or, or the Wednesday or whatever before he's arrested and all of that. Uh, and that was a Passover meal. And so in that meal, you have unleavened bread because they remember that they were in such a race to get out of Egypt. You didn't have time to put the yeast in and let it rise. That was, so that was the bread that they took. Um, they had bitter herbs that symbolized suffering. Um, we don't really have that in the Christian tradition, but they've got, they've got the unleavened bread and they've got the wine. And you'd have four cups of wine, which are, and the last one is the cup of rescue. And Jesus gives that bread. He kind of breaks it and hands it around to everyone. Uh, but he says that this bread is my body, which is given for humanity. And this cup is God's new promise, which is sealed in my blood, um, which is given for you. And so every Sunday, um, in, certainly in, in churches I've been in and in many churches every Sunday, um, that meal is shared, but especially at Easter. And so in for the early church, I, I don't know how often... They did that how much, but certainly the the next year when they celebrated the Passover meal, they were doing that with that recontextualization by Jesus and the, the, the new rescue that had happened. Yeah, okay. Because I, I had always heard that Easter had kind of done what, you know, in the same way that Christmas had kind of cribbed off the Yuletide kind of pagan traditions, that Easter had done the same uh, with, the, with the spring equinox. Um, but is that mainly more where the kind of, the egg and bunny analogies come in or is that yeah where where does that layer come into it or just not at all i I don't know where the eggs come from the eggs seem kind of quite old and sort of eastern european like traditions of cultural traditions of of painting eggs well so so what i'd heard was the eggs were a spring equinox thing right because it's like you know that new life is born in the spring in the pagan traditions right yeah Um, and so eggs uh, represented that, and they, be- they they became a symbol in in the pagan uh, celebrations of that. And so then, when they were Christianizing Europe, it was a way of kind of bringing in the existing traditions into mm-hmm. what they wanted to do with with Easter. And, and there might have been kind of aspects of some of that. Um, I mean, that's that's what happens kind of anywhere where you have. A, you know, a change in faith or something like that. You look at the old things that we did and go, well, do we do some of these and what do they look like? So um, the the pattern of painting eggs, I don't know if it's to do with the spring equinox or not, but was a thing in Eastern Europe and at some point they became Christians and so what did they do? They painted the eggs with Christian symbols and this kind of thing. Um, but the, the idea that Easter is in English kind of named after a fertility god or something like that, the, the, it, it's, there's pretty much no evidence to support that until about the 18th, 19th century when you get the Easter bunny appearing. And these kind of I was going to ask things, when the Easter bunny comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, as far as I'm aware, and if, if somebody else has some hard data on this that they can send in to christianbuddhistbar at gmail.com, I would... I'm up for seeing that. But it's as late as the 18th or 19th century and seems to coincide with this Western European kind of 
Celtic revivalists type stuff, you know, and also in Germany and other places where they've looked back for well, what were the pre-Christian traditions here, and you know, frankly, made up a whole bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, as, as far as I know, there's al- almost nothing about Easter, certainly from the Christian perspective, but like the chocolate eggs, like yeah. So, so Easter bunny. I mean, we didn't eggs. have chocolate until the 16th century, right? Like, you know, well, I, I, yeah. I think chocolate can be a, a modern addition, but like Easter bunny and eggs have nothing to do with Jesus. There's, there's nothing in the story there that that links anything to do. The with The Easter rabbits. bunny does not appear in the Gospels. No. Easter bunny does not appear. The, in the Gospels, I mean, okay. there, there's like the eggs are used as kind of like teaching aids, right? Because you've got like the big hollow egg that can be like the empty tomb and and this kind of thing, uh, and and of course. It's like anything symbolic of new life kind of, you know, has resurrection connotations, right? Like so the butterfly is an Easter Sunday symbol. Flowers are often used as mm-hmm. on Easter Sunday. Um, but I, I don't know that that comes from any particular pagan roots. It's just like what, what symbolizes new life, like flowers, butterflies. That's, that's new life. Like a butterfly that emerges from its chrysalis, like is a decent enough metaphor for the resurrection of Jesus in, in some ways that the, the caterpillar has to die so that the butterfly lives, that kind of thing. But do you, as a Christian, do you get offended by the kind of, the 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 real focus on things like chocolate eggs and, and bunnies and, and things like that? Like, does that take away from the holiness of what you're actually celebrating? To an extent, I wouldn't say I get offended, um, but I, I would say, yeah, it, it takes... It takes something away from the celebration in the same way as like, you know, getting all caught up on Santa and last minute Christmas shopping and that kind of thing. This was for me takes away a bit from the birth of Jesus. Like, you know, ha- have an Easter bunny and I thought Santa was one of the wise men. <laughs> so it's a beard, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. Like, but by all means, like have have bunnies and chocolate eggs and that that kind of thing. But it it doesn't for me it doesn't connect with what it is that we're actually celebrating and even to a lesser extent than Christmas because like Santa Claus is based loosely off St. Nicholas who went around giving gifts to poor like orphan kids and that kind of thing which is when you think about it a really like Christian thing and if God's gift to the world is Jesus Mm -hmm. that works on a bunch of levels and stuff in a way that I just I don't see how the Easter Bunny connects at all? <laughs> I, I mean, like... You chop, can at me. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think of a, of a string I can draw here. Yeah. Chocolate eggs are the kinds of things that people enjoy when they eat them. Mm-hmm. And um, people really enjoy Jesus. And they really enjoy the teachings that Jesus gives. So, <laughs> But this is like, this is just, this is one of the things about Easter, right? Like, is it... Is it completely upends how we see God? And, and we've probably got used to it with 2,000 years of Christianity, right? But like that God's love is expressed by God coming to earth and dying in humanity's place so that we don't have to, so that we don't need to be bound by death. Obviously, we still experience death. But so that death is not the end for us, that that God has overcome and defeated death. And again, this is this is language that's used like within a decade of the Easter event that um, Christ has overcome death by death. 
like maybe that seems normal to us now but for the, for the first disciples and for contemporary Greeks and whatever like that it it's not a like it's not a delicious thing like it, it's it's the most wonderful thing it's 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 the most powerful thing that God could possibly do except it's a completely weak thing right so and so I wonder whether maybe then the link is around more around Lent right like mm-hmm. you know, during Lent you're giving up certain things right certain indulgences right and my understanding of Lent is that it's a you know you know kind of uh, giving up things so that you can feel some of the suffering that Christ might have gone through, and kind of yeah, you know, it, it, it's similar to Ramadan kind of mm-hmm. approach yeah. to things. Um, and you know, it's kind of the principle of fasting and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, maybe the chocolate is kind of indulgent at the end of Lent, kind of like I, 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 don't I can know, get on board right? with that. Yeah, yeah the, I can get on board. It, with it that. arises like, from this, like, oh well, I've been giving up things for the what is it, a week, two weeks of Lent? 40 days. 40 days, So okay. like six weeks. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I've been gi- – so it, it very much is like Ramadan then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been giving up things for this whole period of time and now I can indulge and now I can have the, the richest, tastiest thing that I can think of, which is a, a chocolate egg made by the Cadbury Corporation. I don't know, something, something like that. Lint or – Yeah, yeah. Actually, Hakes. What am I talking yeah, about? The, I'm, this, a, I'm an Adelaide boy. This Hakes. podcast is not sponsored by any chocolate companies, but if they would like to send us things, mrbuddhistbar <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> Yeah. Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, so I, I guess, do, do you feel like modern society does not celebrate Easter in a kind of, in a, in a spiritual enough way? Does modern society celebrate anything in a spiritual enough way? Well, I mean, like, you said before that like you felt like Christmas was at least kind of in line with some things and, you know. Yeah. A, a, a little bit maybe. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, but what 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 should I expect and want? Right? Like, I I don't. I if if you're not a Christian, if you don't, if if this is not your story that has meaning to you, like, how how should you celebrate it? Like, I I I love kind of the the celebrations of Holy Week, which is so the week leading up to Easter, um, especially. The Thursday evening, Friday morning, there are traditional kind of worship times associated with that. And they're really somber and reflective and kind of kind of like that fasting thing that you're talking about of just like hearing again and, and experiencing and being moved again, dedic- dedicating time to reflecting on like the enormity of what God did and what Jesus suffered, which just simply in human terms, like I said, yeah, crucifixion is a, a hell of a way to go. But theologically, um, we, we would hold that it, it's it's not just the the physical pain of the de- of of his death, but also all of the weight of you know the sin of the world and all of the pain and brokenness of the world. He's carrying it at that moment, which is just a like. He bears a ridiculously unbearable load so that we could be free from having to bear it. He's destroyed so that we are not destroyed. And he's resurrected at the end. So kind of the story ends on a happy note because it wouldn't actually mean anything if he wasn't resurrected, right? Like because if if Jesus dies, if God dies, then death wins, actually. But But... To, sorry to go back to your question like 
reflecting on the enormity of that. Um, it, it, in fact, it's still kind of present in our culture. Like places will close Christmas Day and Good Friday, um, and and so you, I, you do. I, I do feel fine that sense of kind of everything stops for a moment, which is really deep in, it, in what the day symbolizes. It does take some pretty pretty serious uh, serious belief to, to stop capitalism for a day. So, you know. Yeah, so, well, there's still some... There's there's hope yet, Jamal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah. It's interesting. I, I, um, I, just, I just remember this comment that was made by... I think it was um, uh, Yural Noah Harari, who's an mm-hmm. um, excellent historian, um, about um, kind of what the crucifixion tells us about Jesus historically, which I find super interesting. It's like, you know, that the Romans effectively reserved crucifixion for, um, for essentially state terrorists. Um, and that it was a kind of, you know, it makes really, but they clear. had a lot of state terrorists. Yeah. Sorry, go on. But it, but it makes really clear how radical Jesus's teachings were and how yeah. like really, you know, threatening to the Roman state. It was, which I find a, just, you know, just an interesting kind of historical tidbit. But, yeah. but it, it's interesting, actually, the the way that the story is told, at least again, at least in the Gospels, is that the Jewish leaders are the ones that hand Jesus over to the Roman authorities. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with the image of um, Pontius Pilate, like washing his hands. There's an Asterix comic in which Pilate appears for whatever reason because asterix and he's just constantly washing his hands in every scene that he's in um because he says i wash my hands of this like he he looks at jesus and says well i can't see any reason why he's guilty but the jews are going to have an insurrection Mm. if he doesn't crucify this guy so he does because he doesn't want to have to deal with an insurrection and passover is a pretty terrifying time for the romans because like jerusalem city of about 150,000 people at that time at Passover 500,000 people like it it's so, a tinderbox in some ways I'm, I'm very annoyed with 35 minutes into this podcast now because now I want we can play on we can I, go I, longer I, it's a special all right well like so okay talk to me about that that's super interesting right? so like so so again like I, I understood I understood this whole like you know trope of like the Jews killed Jesus yeah, yeah. kind of thing right the Jews hand him over like What's going on there? Yeah, well, that that's astonishingly important for the theology of it, not because, look, the Jews did this terrible thing. Just I need to say that because other people have repeatedly said the Jews did this terrible thing. And, like, they did, but they did it kind of as representing all of us. Mm. So we'll maybe get into that in a bit more. But just to any hint of possible anti-Semitism, I want to kill that if we can. Um, but so Jesus enters Jerusalem. Oh, tradition has it a week before, maybe it's two weeks before, whatever. Um, as all of the pilgrims are coming up for this great feast, as I said, it's going from 150,000 people to half a million people. And Jesus does it riding a donkey with crowds around him, they throw down palm leaves and they put cloaks on the ground and Jesus riding this donkey goes over that with crowds shouting Hosanna, um, which is some kind of equivalent to like God save the king, right? So he has to know what he's doing there, right? Is he making a statement? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is like he, he's a he's a pretty well-known figure 
by this point. He's been wandering around teaching and um, getting himself into theological arguments with people and hanging out with the wrong people and healing the wrong people and saying the kingdom of God is near and all of this stuff. So he comes in so on a donkey, which we look at and go, oh, donkey, that's humble and everything else. But that's what a king would do mm. when they came into the city. They wouldn't come in on a war horse. The sign that the king was coming and came in peace was that they'd ride a donkey because, I don't know, tradition or something. So here he is on a donkey entering the city with like, th- this guy is a massive political threat, but not only to the Romans, he's a political threat to the Jewish leaders who have been trying to kind of keep things calm and if we don't anger the Romans too much. So the... um. The the Jewish authorities who are the ones who arrest him and then bring him before the Roman governor, this this guy called Pilate, um, he he asks them, you know, it, this this guy says, the king of the Jews, look, is this your king? And they all yell back at him, no, we have no king but Caesar. Which, if you look at kind of who Caesar claims to be as an emperor, this is Caesar Augustus, the guy who sets himself up as a god. Mm. they're essentially blaspheming at this point because God is the king above all kings. And any Jew who knew anything about their tradition would say, well, we have no king but God, right? God is the Lord of of all, certainly not the Roman occupiers. Sure, but but they're they're obviously under the thumb of the Roman occupiers and are trying to appease pilot with that statement yeah, yeah quite possibly and, and, but so this comes to the like you know why is jesus handed over and and executed why is it the jews that pick him up and take him to file he's not arrested by the roman authorities as far as we can tell he's he's probably not an enormous bugbear to the roman authorities at this point maybe but if he is it's only because it's causing so much consternation within the jewish community and so Jesus, the savior of Israel, is rejected by Israel. And so you have this situation where, and, and again, they see this after the resurrection, there's this, oh, this guy is God. Like God, God, is not just, God is not just doing something special. He's not just some awesome prophet. It's actually God is present in this man. And so God is rejected by Israel who are the people of God. Which to me is a really interesting to kind of step this through a little bit. Like it's like, yeah, I just taking that story at face value, I can yeah. understand the Jewish position, right? Like I can absolutely understand it. Yeah, if, if you've had a history of oppression, a history of torture, a history of being slaves, and you finally made it somewhere and you've established a city for yourself and the Romans come in and they take over and you're like, okay, well, like at least they're treating us like, okay. I don't think you can underestimate how much they hated the Romans. So 30 years after this happens, mm. there is a big rebellion and the Romans tear down the temple, right? right. So so the, the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall yeah. that we have now, that's all that's left after 30, 30 odd years after this event, there's a big Jewish rebellion and the Romans come and tear, tear down the temple. Mm. Right. But I don't know, I... I I can see why the Jewish leadership in Jerusalem doesn't want to rock the boat, mm-hmm. right? Like I can I can see why they go, you know what? This guy is causing us a huge risk, right? That that if if he is seen as a threat to Roman authority, yeah, then 
he puts everyone at risk, right? He, he, the Romans might crack down. They might, you know, try and completely crush and kill all the Jewish people because there's this person running around claiming to be king of the Jews. And we are, we don't, essentially, we don't want to deal with the consequences of what this guy is doing. Plus, we don't really believe him or like him anyway, <laughs> right? So, like, I, I, yeah. I can get that perspective where the, where the Jewish people are going, yeah, like, it's better for us to arrest and hand this guy yep. in and profess that we are really, really nothing to do with us. Nothing to do with us. We love Caesar. Um, You know, we we want nothing. Yeah. This, this guy doesn't represent us. Right. Like I, and, and especially when Jesus comes in and makes that statement, right. When he's rocking up at Passover, effectively proclaiming himself the King. Right. um, And, you know, kind of, you know, he, he's making a claim, right? He's he's making, he's staking his claim to lead the Jewish people. Right. Mm. Like, I can totally see why a tinderbox of political like unrest there results in them just going, no, you don't. Yep. And like handing them yep. over like, like that. And again, you know, theologically, right. You know, of course that's a mistake and you know, they've ended up killing God effectively by doing that. But it's like, I find it such an interesting kind of story, right? Because yeah. you, you can understand all perspectives. Like I can really yep. understand the Jewish perspective and I can also understand the Christian perspective of like this person legitimately is the son of God and what are you doing getting all caught up in your own self-preservation that you're rejecting that? But but that point that you're making that like I can completely see why you would do that theologically is actually entirely the point because like so, you know, God rocks up and does all this stuff that we wouldn't expect God to do. Yes, there's a symbolism and the you know the the charge stuff, but he's also been wandering around healing all these people, but healing the wrong people and eating with sinners and outcasts and you know prostitutes and all that. Like the, the things that the church sometimes gets ashamed about today, right? Jesus is doing all of that stuff, right? So he he's the Messiah, but he's not the Messiah that you expect or recognize, and then that's what's kind of borne out in the some of those resurrection stories as well, right? And how the, the church has to wrestle with, like, what actually was God doing here? But that comment of, uh, I can understand why you, you would do that, is is exactly the point. Because to come back to, oh, the, the Jews killed Jesus, the question is, well, if I was there, what would I have done? And as we as we go through the account, nobody's innocent in this except Jesus. Because... The Jewish leaders hand him over to be crucified, and the crowds yell, "We have no king but Caesar." We, you know, th- this guy's got to die. Release for us um, this guy called Barabbas, who's probably a violent revolutionary himself. He's a give us that guy. Don't give us Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but his disciples, his closest followers, the the night when he's arrested, Simon Peter again, great little pinup boy for faithful Christian, right? It is asked, do you know this guy? You're one of the, you're from Galilee, right? You're not from around here. You're one of those guys that were with him, weren't you? And he says three times, no, it wasn't me. I I don't know the bloke. Um, so when Jesus dies, he's he's on his own, so, right? So, his so, disciples so even, deserve Even him. his disciples give him up, right? Yeah. Like, like, not that they hand him in, but like, you know, when, 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 the, they mob, save their own skins. when the mob's banging down the door, yep. the disciples save themselves. Yep. Yeah, right. Interesting. It, do you know the song, um, What If God Was One Of Us? Yeah. Just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on a bus. Like it, it that reminds me of what happens at Easter mm-hmm. because it, it just makes it like, if, if Jesus rocked up today, would we notice? Like, would it be any 
different. Yeah. Um, and and for me, that's that's just one of the the depths of this is is not just it's not just the Jews hand him over and it's not just the Romans killed him, but it's like, well, I can see how if I was around then, I I, I can see how I would be complicit in that at the very least, kind of not standing up to stop it. Does anyone stand up to stop it? I mean, like kind of Pilate is the one who seems to try the hardest. Um, but, and, but, but like and seems, none of his disciples, like not a single one stands up and tries to. Um, they they do stand up a little bit when he's arrested. That's that's true. But after he's arrested, no, it's yeah. it's downhill from there. Um, and, and so and that just that gets me reflecting on like, well, not just like what would I have done then, but it it's a reminder, if you like, of the things that I have done that have separated me from God, um, where I've not acted justly or kindly or lovingly to other people around me. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm I'm complicit in all the brokenness in the world that means that when God actually rocks up in person, he winds up being killed. Interesting. Um, what that doesn't remind me of is this story of this time a Christian and a Buddhist walked into a bar <laughs> that was a little bit too dark to, to lead I'm, in there. I'm sorry. Like, they're having a, a, like a dark red wine, something highly fortified. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they walk into a bar um, and there's a um, you know, there's a bunch of like, you know, it's Easter, right? So there's a bunch of very like angry, angry rabbits sitting in the bar. <laughs> they're all real pissed off. And they go. Why are they pissed off? Well, so they, they go in there and ask them. They go, hey, well, okay, what's yeah. going on? How'd you get pissed off? And they're like, oh, yeah, someone thought it was a great idea to rock up to our rabbit hole and pour hot water down our rabbit hole. And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of hot cross bunnies here. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I, thought that I thought that was going to be some kind of Easter bunny reference. But yeah, that's cool. Uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is all we have time for. Thank you for teaching me about Easter, Jacob. I, I learned a lot. Excellent. You're welcome. I, I enjoyed it. It's Easter is my favourite of all of the celebrations. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, my favourite celebration is the Mondays at Christian Buddhist Bar... Uh, rocks up on our podcast feed and I send it to all my friends and I say, hey, th- listen to this great podcast. With music by Kevin McLeod. By Kevin McLeod, and which you can email at christianbuddhistbar at gmail.com. Have a wonderful week after Easter, folks. We'll see you next time. <laughs>